Welcome to the Fantasy Inferno, a redraft fantasy football show on the Roto Heat Network. This show airs live on Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. Thank you for catching up here. Now here are your hosts, Cody Woodman and myself, Shane Barrett. Enjoy. What is going on, Eat Seekers? Welcome back to your Wednesday Roto Heat live stream. We're talking reject as always. This is the Fantasy Inferno. Joined with me again, your host, Cody Woodman. I got Shane Barrett back again after missing last week's show for supposedly a big draft. Hopefully it went well and you're going to win the league because missing the show hurt. Yeah, I apologize, Cody, but I am back. It was our Pros with Joe's charity tournament draft with my buddy, Dynasty Pat Loftus, and we are 1-0, and so it, it was worth missing. I feel pretty good about our team, and we got to beat Jeff, Jeff Bell last week, so that's always fun. Nice, yeah, nice nice start. It's always good to start 1-0. and I'm personally 5-0 and in all of my leagues, so that's a good start. You only uh, have five leagues? Only five, but uh, I am it's, jealous. Pushing, it's pushing about <laughs> $1,000 worth of buy-in fees. Okay, that makes yeah. more sense then. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I joined with us, made a last minute cancellation. So I really super appreciate you joining the show, Mike at Drop the Mike FF. Tell the people what you're all about and who you are. I barely know you. I just met you 10 seconds ago. So. Yeah. Yeah, you can find me at Drop the Mike FF. I am a dynasty writer and co host for a show on Tuesday nights over at Going for Two. I also. Hang out with the Rum Boys Fantasy Network on Friday nights on their Friday night show, Rum uh, Boys After Dark. Other than that, I'm in way too many leagues, and I just like talking fantasy football. Perfect. Perfect. You really came to the right place. So let's get right into this. We're going to stock, talk, stock up and stock down. We got five guys that showed that they should be worth a little more than their ADP would have reflected in your drafts, and then five guys that their stock might be down. Maybe they're solid trade targets. There's a couple of guys that I have in mind in there that are guys that I'll be targeting if people are willing to sell low. So let's jump right into this. Let's start with the guys that have their stock going up. First and foremost, we'll start with the guy that I had a hot take on last week's on last week's show saying Christian Kirk would be a top 15 fantasy wide receiver this year. A little bit spicy. He finished, he's about top 20 right now after a good week one. So I consider his stock to certainly be up. He had 12 targets last week, which was, I think, top five in the NFL for week one. Three red zone targets, which was second to Jamar Chase had six. There's a bunch of guys with three. Six catches, 117 yards. The touchdowns, I'd like to see the potential go up a little bit. That's what I thought might keep me from my, my top 15 hot take, project, prediction, projection, whatever coming to fruition is uh, that t- touchdown potential needs to go up a little bit on that team. Trevor Lawrence threw the ball 42 times, really needs to be more efficient. That was another thing I touched on in last week's show. He was 57%. He's got to do better than that. That's for sure. Christian Kirk is going to be that target monster in my opinion. So yeah, what do you guys think? Uh, Shane, let's start with you. What do you think of Christian Kirk's stock being up? Yeah, I completely agree with you here, Cody. And I was in the last couple of drafts that I was doing, I was trying to grab Kirk because we knew he was going to primarily play out of the slot, and he ended up with a 91% snap share for the game for week one, and it looks like he's going to be Trevor Lawrence's favorite target, and that's not really a hard role to fill because last year he was thrown to a bunch of guys like us, basically, and so now he's actually got someone who's at least semi-talented in Christian Kirk to step into that role. So I really think Kirk can continue to have this production all year long with just purely off of volume. So I love it. Now, what do you think, Mike? Do you like Christian Kirk? you think that this is fool's gold or what do you think? I don't think it's fool's gold, but I do want to temper my expectations just a little bit because who they did go against being the Washington Commanders. When they start going against higher competition, I have a feeling that Kirk is going to 
regress just a little bit because they don't really have a sec. They have Zay Jones, but other than that, they don't really have a second target. They got Evan Ingram at tight end, but they're they're gonna be hard. The defenses are gonna be zoning again on Christian Kirk, so I have a feeling that his target share will go down a little bit, but. He will definitely be the number one target for Trevor Lawrence, who needed that for sure. And there's going to be games because they're going to be behind. The Trevor Lawrence is going to be flinging the ball around. And in those games, those are the points. Garbage time points, I think, are going to be Christian Kirk's friend this year. Yeah, they got Zay Jones, or sorry, Zay Jones and uh, Marvin Jones as well, yeah. along with Devin Ingram and then. Travis Etienne catching passes as well. They do have tons of options. I like the offensive line, but yeah, you're not wrong. The Washington football team's secondary is not good. And without uh, Chase Young as well, that definitely frees up Carson Wentz to throw the ball a little more than a little more, uh, more frequently or a little more efficiently than you might think. I, I will get to Carson Wentz in a second here, but let's move on to the second guy that we have in mind, another guy that I had tuned my own horn doing a week one victory lap over here, but <laughs> I, I had a, a hot take on AJ Dillon as well. My prediction was that he outscores AJ Jones, or sorry, Aaron Jones. So I do definitely like AJ Dillon. I think this week we might see a little more Aaron Jones for sure. But Shane, once you started off with what you think about AJ Dillon and his stock being potentially up? Yeah, sure. I don't know if you saw it today, Cody, but I think maybe an hour or two before the show, Aaron Jones, or not Aaron Jones, Jesus, Aaron Rodgers said that he is going to change his play and the way that he plays while these rookie wide, yeah, I know, while these rookie wide receivers are getting accustomed to the NFL, I'm really just hoping that means he's going to target Aaron Jones and Robert Tanyan more because I have more shares of them than I'd like to admit right now. But as far as AJ Dillon goes, I agree with you on stock up, but I am going to temper my expectations just a bit because I do think we'll see more Aaron Jones. <sighs> Dylan had a 51% snap share, 10 carries, 45 yards, and a touchdown, six targets, five catches, 46 yards, and he led the team in literally all of those categories except for rush yards where Aaron Jones only beat him by three yards. So it's clear he's going to be a focal point of this offense. And I think that's going to continue, especially if they are going to change the way that they play so that their rookie wide receivers can actually catch up to the speed of the game. Yeah, I think that's a smart decision to have. Aaron Rodgers is very self-aware and he's very aware of the game around him and the players yeah. around him. And I think he's going to have to change the way he plays a little bit. He's going to have to trust these kids and let them make mistakes. Christian Watson didn't get targeted until the third or fourth quarter after he dropped that ball in the first. Same thing with Romeo Dobbs. He didn't get targeted till the third after a little couple of miscues in the first quarter. You got to just let that fly off your back, water off a duck's back, yep. keep throwing the ball, keep targeting these rookies, let them make mistakes and just take it from there. And uh, yeah, I think both there's room for both guys to be involved. Absolutely. And I fully expect Aaron Jones to take a step and be one of the guys next week or this week. If you remember last year against the Saints when they had that horrible game, what did Aaron Jones do the next week? He was wide, or running back two over 40 fantasy points. So I could certainly see the same thing happening this week against Chicago. Mike, what do you think about A.J. Dillon, though? So I do agree with Shane about Aaron Jones' production going to be going up. But I absolutely love what you had to say because get me all the A.J. Dillon right now. <laughs> Stock up for sure. I love the fact when I was watching the game on Red Zone that all of a sudden, I saw both guys in the backfield, not just over and over. I was hoping that they were going to do that. They said they were going to, but just like Aaron Rodgers, you can't trust what Matt LaFleur says. You never know what he's going to do. So when they started using both of them in the backfield on multiple sets, I had a good feeling about it. And I do agree that they're going to use, I think they're going to do that again and use Aaron Jones more out of the backfield as a receiver, which they need to do. But AJ Dillon's stock is up, and I don't think it's going to slow down this week with Chicago. Yeah, I think they run away with that game. And I think part of what uh, Aaron Rodgers might be talking about is running the ball more because they yeah. need to run the ball more. Both running backs were very efficient. Aaron Jones was like, I think, 10 yards a carry or something like that, or pushing it in week one. And AJ Dillon was very efficient as well. 
but they should potentially be running the ball 30 times a game until these wide receivers get acclimated, get to the playoffs. And then you got Aaron Rodgers, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL in the playoffs. So that's what I think that they should look to do. That defense let a lot of people down. I, th- I thought that defense would be very good, if not one of the best and like units in the NFL. I Go don't ahead, know how you leave Justin Jefferson open that much. There was a couple of plays where he had Preston Smith on him yeah. flat. Like, yeah. in what world is that ever going to be acceptable it's to not. me? It's never. And there was a couple times there's a linebacker on him. That is just mistake after mistake. And that's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL that you just cannot afford to make those mistakes, in my opinion. And we saw it on Sunday that it just wasn't mm-hmm. worth it. And it didn't no, work out. I completely agree with you there. And Cody, we'll see what you, hit it, you hit it right on the head. Aaron Jones averaged 9.8 ca- yards per carry on five carries. Yeah. Yeah. It was extremely like, efficient. Why and, five carries. And AJ Dillon, I think, was 4.9 or five yards yeah. per carry on 10. So, yeah. yeah, very efficient in the run game. I don't understand why you're not running the ball 25 to 30 times at a minimum. Again, until these wide receivers get, get your trust, the trust of Aaron Rodgers, which is extremely difficult to earn. And until Alan Lazard gets up to speed and maybe Tanyan gets a little more healthy, all that kind of stuff, pound the rock and win some easy football games. Shorten yep. the game, win some games 21-7, whatever you got to do. So we'll see what the Packers do. I'm not concerned about the Packers myself. I think they walk all over the Bears at home in prime time this week. So not concerned. Massive favorite after a long point favorite. Ten point favorites. Yeah. And Rogers hasn't lost in Chicago in like five or six games. It's, and it's in Lambeau, actually. So he's not losing in prime time at home no. against the Bears. Sunday you know, night. Yeah, it, it, it's not happening. It's not happening. So yeah, I think the Packers walk all over the Bears this week. But let's move on to the next guy whose stock is up. And this one's a bit of a surprise to me is Michael Thomas. I did not think that he was going to just start the year hot and heavy, two touchdowns. He looked great. Uh, The lion's share, I shouldn't really call that because I think it was only one more target, went to Juice Landry. I think he had nine. Mike Thomas had eight, five catches. He had two red zone targets. And guess what? He caught them both for touchdowns. So that's extremely efficient. And touchdowns are king in fantasy. We all know that. So I think that... As long as Jameis Winston can stay as efficient as he did, 67% completion rate, he looked okay. He got a little bit banged up, but we'll see how he ends up. Zero interceptions, two touchdown passes. Again, both to Mike Thomas. Like I said, Jarvis Landry was good as well, but I think we're going to see some of those targets start to migrate over to Mike Thomas as he gets up to speed, which it looks like he did towards the end of that game. Mike, what do you think about Mike Thomas? I'm bummed. I agree with you that his stock is up, but I'm bummed. I know we're focusing on redraft, but this offseason, I was selling him because I thought he was going to be, I thought he was going to be a problem child this year again. But I have to admit, I was wrong and his stock is up. I do the fact that Winston was targeting him. Landry, I think, is going to take some of that pressure off of him, which is going to free him up. I think if Landry wasn't there, there would have been more, pre- more presence on him. And then with Olave still being young and a rookie, Olave caught the two-point conversion on one of Michael Thomas's touchdowns. But I just think it's stock up for Thomas. And I honestly don't see it slowing down in the next few weeks because he's going to get more involved in this offense. And since he was out all last year, he doesn't have a rapport with Winston yet. Yeah, I think we saw that as the game went on. He got better and got more targets and looked better, got those touchdowns. They struggled, obviously, offensively early in the game. And then once they started getting going, who was it? It was basically because of Mike Thomas. So he looked great. And yeah, as long as he's healthy and as long as he's on the field, I couldn't see this really slowing down either. He's At one point, he was one of the best, if not the best wide receiver in the NFL. You know that that potential's there, but Shane, what do you think about Mike Thomas? Yeah, I agree with both of you that his stock is up. I am going to play off a mic and think that it can actually go higher if that's possible. You guys both kind of mentioned it, but he was on a snap count and only played 61% of snaps. That goes up, I'm assuming, as the season continues to go along, which then I think will bump up his targets. I'm also bummed, Mike, from a dynasty perspective, but for a different reason 
because I was trying to draft a lot of Chris Olave. Um, I think ultimately you could have a three-headed monster in the wide receiver core here with Thomas Landry and Olave, but Thomas is going to be the king of the castle in that three-headed monster. Yeah, this is the best. This is the best wide receiver core we've seen with the Saints for a while, long time. And we've never seen Mike Thomas with even a running mate, and now he's got two. So we could see him go absolutely nuclear potentially. I'm a little bit bummed too because I I just wasn't gonna put my trust in Mike Thomas. I was not gonna draft him. I have him pretty much nowhere, even in best ball. Because I just was too concerned about him not playing again. But think that uh, the stars are going to align, I think, for the Saints. And we didn't make team hot take uh, predictions last week, but I bet on the Saints to win the division this year. I think that they're a very good team and they could be the best they've been offensively since Drew Brees was thrown for 5,500 yards and 40 touchdowns every year. So we'll see. So yeah, I think we could see Mike Thomas uh, absolutely go nuclear here. So let's move on to the, not the next guy we have on the list, because I know Shane really wanted to talk about that guy. Let's go to Carson Wentz, the only quarterback on stock up. So 66% completion rate. He did have the the two interceptions, four touchdowns. He did have six carries as well. I was thinking about this last night, and I think you could absolutely make an argument that this these are the best weapons that Carson Wentz has ever had, at least since Ertz, Alshon Jeffrey, and Nelson Aguilar were all in their prime sort of a thing. But yeah, with Scary Terry, Jahan Dotson, and who we'll talk about in a second, and uh, Curtis Samuel looked great. As long as if Logan Thomas can get going, they got J.D. McKissick out of the backfield as well. You could certainly make an argument that these are the best weapons Carson Wentz has ever had in his career. So there's that. The O-line is reasonable. I, uh, they gave up only one sack, which is good. Carson Wentz, you don't want him back there running around trying to do his Russell Wilson thing that he thinks he can do. <laughs> he can't. He is a good quarterback, I think. He's habitually horribly underrated. He's super, super disrespected. He's a better quarterback than people give him credit for at an NFL level and in fantasy. Yes, I said it, Shane, and I'll stand by it every second of every day. It's the same thing people were saying about Kirk Cousins years ago. Carson Wentz is always going to have a job in the NFL. He's better than most NFL quarterbacks. And that's just a fact. I I really don't care what anybody says. Anyone that's hating on him, go ahead and hate on him, but you're wrong. I'm sorry to tell you, but <laughs> quarterbacks do not grow on trees. These guys are few and far between. It's hard to find a franchise quarterback. It really is. So I'm not here for the Carson Wentz slander. But anyways, the stock is certainly up. Like I said, those weapons could be the best he's ever had in his entire career. So we'll see what happens. And that's a great start. He's got a good matchup in week two against uh, Detroit. So yeah. we'll see We'll see what happens. But Shane, what do you think about Carson Wentz? Don't try to slander him on me here. I'm not going to slander him. I'm actually going (laughs) to agree with you. You made some good points, and I want to emphasize some of the stuff you said. I Because you probably actually brought some things to light. I think when Carson Wentz has a solid pocket and is able to be a pocket passer and throw from a clean pocket, he is a good NFL quarterback. But it's when he does try to roll out of the pocket and, like you said, do his Russell Wilson impersonation that shit hits the fan. Like, his mechanics hit the fan. Something goes wrong. He gets scared. I don't know what it is. And that's why, I guess that's why I hate on Carson Wentz. Also, I, my family's Cowboys fan, so there's a little animosity there. But when Carson Wentz is bad, he's really bad. But when he's good, he's really good. So I We'll agree with you on that, actually. And this stat line just proves it. And I think against a Detroit Lions team where their secondary might be their second worst position group, he's probably going to end up carving them up. So the only thing that could wreck that is the rookie Aiden Hutchison and their defensive line. So if they get to him, then maybe that tempers expectations. But I could still see a similar stat line to what he had last week. Yeah, that's why I brought up the offensive line in the one sack because they don't as Jacksonville, mind you. So they're not Saxonville like they were at one time. But, no. and so I think this is a better defensive front that they'll see with Detroit. And 
Obviously, Dan Campbell has those guys playing hard as he always has and always will. He's that kind of coach. But uh, so this will be a bigger test for that offensive line and we'll see how they do. Mike, what do you think about Carson Wentz? So I will preface this by saying I'm not the biggest Carson Wentz fan, but I'm not going to slander him either. (laughs) I do think his stock is up. I do think it's a little less up than you do, Cody. But the reason I do think his stock is up is this. You like you guys all both mentioned they play Detroit this coming up this Sunday. But then even after that, they play the Eagles, which have a decent defense, but then they play the Cowboys and the Titans, then the Bears. To me, the Titans are not as good as people think. Then you got the Bears. I think he could have that good start of the season and increase his stock up in that way. And he is to me, I said this before the season started. I might have even said it to Shane. He's one of those guys that needs to get off to a heart, hot start, not just because of the stat line, but just for his confidence. And the more and more he does this, the better it is for the team. And another weapon, they have McKissick, they have all the guys we said. And I honestly think that once Brian Robinson does come back, I think that Antonio Gibson is, in my opinion, could take the McKissick role. And having Antonio Gibson as a weapon out of that backfield, oh, if they use them, I think they should, like in those slot a little bit. That's Wentz's goldmine right there. Yeah, it might be hard to take slot snaps away from the likes of Curtis Samuel. And yeah, Dallas. not slot, but yeah. I do love Brian Robinson. I, uh, he was my most drafted player, period, in all of best fall, and that's almost 400 drafts. And he's Damn. by far my highest owned player. I very much believe in Brian Robinson this year, and I still do. He will be back, and he will be back. And I like him. And I think you're absolutely right. That's exactly why I was all over Brian Robinson, because I thought that would kick Gibson over to to the receiver third down type of role that I think he's more suited for. He was a wide receiver. I was going to say, why, Cody? Because he played wide receiver in college. Exactly. We talked about that in week one, I think, Shane. That's where I think he's more suited. And he would potentially get more slot work than a guy like J.D. McKissick would. So. I could see that because he has a little more size and everything like that. But yeah, like I said, these this could arguably be the best weapons that Carson Wentz has ever had in his career. Plus the week 14 by week, which is right before the fantasy playoffs. So that's nice. Gets a little break, then goes into the playoffs. And I think he opens the first round of the playoffs against the Giants or something like that. But he plays the Giants in the playoffs for sure. Either way, I think uh, Carson Wentz is a guy that you could potentially uh, look to trade for if you need a quarterback maybe if you're the Carson or sorry the Dak Prescott team yep. you can go shopping for Carson Wentz hopefully and keep your team afloat until he comes back last but not least on the stock up I know uh, Shane wanted to talk about this guy so I, I put him to the back because you jumped off for a second that's John Dotson so lead us off Shane yeah man sorry I had to hop off I I sent it in the private chat I have a cut on my leg and I just scratched it and it reopened so I was going to get a wipe to Keep it from bleeding all over my leg. But yeah, Jahan Dotson, I loved this kid coming out of college. Didn't love the landing spot. Now I'm loving it a little bit more. 88% snap share, so he's going to be on the field. Five targets, three catches, 40 yards, two touchdowns, including the game-winning touchdown. He also had a carry. We're not going to talk about the yardage he got on it, but they at least used him creatively as well, getting him a carry. This kid's a, a baller. He's going to be able to play in the NFL and be a threat. And the cool thing that I think that he has going for him is even if he doesn't get volume because Terry is the number one option in that offense, the coaching staff and Carson Wentz clearly trust him in important situations because he did have that game-winning touchdown catch. And so where he may not get as much volume, he will get the – the quality or the high important targets, high importance targets, like when the game is on the line and you need a touchdown. And so I love this kid. I think he can play and pairing him with Terry is like you said, probably the best weapons that Wentz has had. And it's going to make defenses think twice about having to cover Terry or double cover Terry. So yeah, give me all the Jadahan Dotson. Yeah, there's things I like about Jahan Dotson for sure. This was the guy that you're pounding the table to have in here, and I certainly don't disagree. I absolutely don't disagree on having him in here. I think his stock absolutely is up. 
The yeah. things that I like about Jahan Dotson, he out-snapped Curtis Samuel and he out, he had more routes per drawback than Curtis Samuel. Obviously, he was on the field more, but either way. He did have the five targets, three catches. He had two touchdowns, obviously. The thing that I like about the two touchdowns is neither of those were in the red zone. Yeah. So he was getting targeted from, again, outside the red zone, which is nice to see. That gives him that kind of big play potential. The only thing that I think needs to happen, and it might be a little easier said than done, is he's got to eat into that, that, those targets yeah. and those touches from Curtis Samuel. He got those four carries as well. And there's only one football. There's only so many mouths to feed with Scary Terry there as well. So that's the only thing that concerns me about Jahan Dotson. Literally, I love the player. Everything's great with Jahan Dotson. It's just that if Curtis Samuel's getting targeted six to eight times, obviously Terry's doing what he's doing. How much is that going to leave for Jahan Dotson? Because that yeah. touchdown regression should theoretically be there if the targets Absolutely. remain the same. So that's my only concern. But I do like Jahan Dotson a lot. I'm not going to, I'm not trying to put him down or anything. No, no, I hear you. And I completely agree too. Like he's got to, he's got to have five targets a game to be viable, I think. Minimum. Yeah. Absolute minimum. Yeah. yeah. Mike, what do you think about Dotson? Well, I'm right on the money with both of you guys. I had him. I love him. I had him as my WR4 coming out of the class. But the thing that scares me is Curtis Samuel because Ron Rivera was Curtis Samuel's coach. He likes Curtis Samuel. He hasn't been healthy yet. Now that he's healthy, I think it all has to do with workload and Snapchat. And that's the only thing that scares me. I think it's going to be one of those situations where later down the road this season, it could be almost a three-way split where we're not going to either all three of them. And that scares me with even Terry. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's definitely, again, there's only one football to go around, plus the running game. Again, when Brian Robinson comes back, are they going to hammer the ball a little bit more, which is something that Ron Rivera definitely likes to do. You can remember when they had 2,000-yard rushers with Carolina, they did not have a 1,000-yard receiver. So, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting a little later in the season, how they're going to distribute the carries and the touches. But either way, all I think all of the commander's wide receiver stock is up, to be honest, with considering how Carson Wentz played and considering we have him as a stock up guy. So there you yeah. go. Sure. Beauty, let's move on to the stock down guys, the guys that he, uh, you might be able to buy low if you're looking for a trade target. We'll start with an this is a guy, there's a couple of guys, the first two guys we're going to talk about are being talked about, I'm sure, on every single show on YouTube and every single radio show and everything like that. And that's Cam Akers to start it off. I, I think that Cam Akers is a good wider, or sorry, a good running back. He's definitely going to be able to get the job done. I think he was a little bit in the doghouse and a little bit maybe still banged up. I think that he still did get some opportunities. It's not like Daryl Henderson went out there and lit the world on fire and is going to just command those touches over acres every week, week in, week out. That wasn't the case, in my opinion. McVeigh has already come out and said that Cam Akers is going to get his shot this week and alluded to him being in the doghouse. So I, I think that's all it was for Cam Akers. I'm not concerned. I think he comes out against Atlanta this week and has a good game and kind of retakes that stranglehold on the starting running back job, or at least a bit more, a lot closer to a 50-50 split. I think we'll settle in at about a 60-40, 65-35 type of a split throughout the season between Akers being the 60 and Henderson. He's still going to get his, but Mike, what do you think about Cam Akers? And are you super, super concerned about that production in week one? I am a little concerned. I might be stealing this from my buddy up above me. But I personally don't believe that they wanted him to play really at all week one. I think they were, I thought, I think they went into this and it could be a doghouse. It could be the injury. It could be a couple of things. But what I think their plan really was to have Daryl Henderson be the number one back and have Kyron Williams be the number two back. And when Kyron got hurt on the opening kickoff, they lost their number two running back for the game. I think they wanted to rest Akers one game and have Akers really come in against Atlanta just because of health and maybe the doghouse like you mentioned, because I did hear that early, later on in the week. I think the Kyron Williams injury messed that up. And then when he only had three, what, three carries? I think three, yeah, 13. Yeah. And 
like you said, I've always been a little bit of a Henderson believer. I think maybe it's the whole Memphis thing because I like guys from Memphis now. I didn't realize that. <laughs> here. But at the same time, and like you said, Cody, Henderson didn't do a lot to show that he's the man. And I know they were going against a strong Buffalo defense. I am lower on acres than you are, but I am not out on acres. Yeah, like I said, I think he could be a good trade target, like a buy low target if someone's willing to trade a, a guy that you might have drafted in a round or two later in the fifth, sixth, fourth, fifth, sixth round, something like that. Came Akers was usually a third round guy. But I think that was it. I think it was a little bit of both. Potentially that injury still kind of kicking around because he did have something creep up in the preseason. And then, yeah, maybe he just wasn't working as hard as McVay would have liked to have seen something like that. That's what it sounded like. Obviously, we're never going to hear the whole story and never going to get the full truth. I'm sure people in the building obviously know, but that's just what it felt like to me. So I'm not super concerned. Shane, what are you thinking? All right, I'm going to disagree with both of you. Well, in a sense, I am out on acres, but I was never in on acres. You're so on the fence always. I, I, this is like hard. Like this is, I'm out on acres, I, but I was never in on him. I'd not, I'd never been high on him. It's not that I'm higher on Henderson. I actually go back and check out the, uh, the YouTube series that Rick was doing over the off season of fantasy hot takes and my, fantasy hot take was that Kyron Williams is going to outscore James Cook this year. Um, I think Kyron Williams is a perfectly capable three down NFL back. His size people will shit on him for, but the one thing that he does extremely well, better than acres and Henderson. And we saw it in this game because acres got Stafford absolutely killed on one play is pass block, which play I'm talking about, Mike, don't you? Oh yeah. There was a play where, I can't remember the defensive player for the Bills, but he basically did a spin move and was coming right down Main Street at Stafford. And instead of going in and trying to block him, Akers bailed and ran a route. I think it was and Jordan Stafford Phillips. Stafford was immediately sacked. Yeah, it was. I think it was Jordan Phillips. Yeah, it was. And so I think that's probably going to contribute more to him being in the doghouse than anything because this is going to be a team that wants to pass the ball. And if you're not willing to get in there and pass block, then you're probably not going to be able to get in there and get routes either. Um, I'm, I'm not an acres guy. So him having an 18% snap share and only three carries is terrifying if I'm an acres owner, but maybe you guys are right too, to where it was partially health. Maybe what Mike was saying about Kyron Williams being the RB two for this game was true as well, but I was never in on acres. So I'm not really scared. Maybe the maybe that play, because that was a very highlighted play by a lot of people, and it's very obvious, but maybe that, because these comments didn't come out till after the game, so maybe that play is what led to those comments from McVeigh. Yeah. Sure. Uh, potentially. But you're not wrong, because everybody just assumes that Cam Akers is that guy. Yeah. We haven't actually really seen it. No, like, I really haven't. Been my- and, and, there's a, and there's a huge injury gap there with a major injury to a running back so that's that's very legitimate concern like we have everyone just say oh yeah cam Akers, he just injured that's all it is he's a guy he we haven't actually seen it from him yet so one time i think we've seen it from cody was in the actual nfl playoffs two years ago i don't know it would have been it would have been in his rookie year yeah i think we had a decent chunk of games in the actual NFL playoffs that year and people were like oh my god he's the guy and then he got hurt last year we've I've seen never glimpses. We've, yeah, we've seen this it's there potentially but we haven't actually seen him be on the field enough to be like yes long term this guy is going to be a viable fantasy option especially where he's been drafted like he's been yeah. drafted to RB1 RB2 territory especially in Dynasty I know we're talking redraft but He's been drafted in that area, and I'm like, why? Like, I've never been in on him at his price, and this just solidifies it for me for the time being. Yeah, I can't say you're wrong, so we'll see how the season kind of progresses, and we're going to have to see it out of Cam Makers realistically in order to really get on board with him. But I do think that he can be that guy. It's from the things that I have seen. He is a very physical guy, so it's 
wild to see him just Olay that that linebacker like that. That, that right? <laughs> just doesn't particularly add up to me. So I don't think he is that guy, but we'll see. We got to see it. We got to see it. So the proof is in the pudding. So let's move on to number two. This is another guy, again, that everybody's talking about. You have to. But I'm going to bring some different reasons why I think his stock needs to be down. So this is C.D. Lamb, obviously the Cowboys. Yes, Dak Prescott got hurt. He's out for the next four to eight weeks. We don't really know exactly what it's going to be like. But my biggest concern with C.D. Lamb, there's a couple things here. Number one, he looks like he's just a slot receiver. He needs another guy. He, needs, he can't be the guy, I don't think. This is the year that we're going to find out if he can. And going off of week one, it really does not look like he is or can be the guy. 11 targets, two catches, that's a little bit unacceptable. I know not all of those are his fault, but if you watch the games and you watch C.D. Lamb play, he gives up on a lot of balls. In the air, if it's not right where it needs to be, he gives up on it a little bit. At least that's what I see, and that's unacceptable. I don't like to see that. No one would, of course. And just the evidence is there whenever he's called upon. So CD, your number one wide receiver on every team, he's the guy that makes a play. Devontae Adams, you need a first down, you need a touchdown. Chase, Chase, Jamar Chase in week one for the Bengals. He caught two touchdown passes, right? In the same drive, back-to-back sort of thing. Obviously, one didn't get called. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. But if you need a play, Jamar Chase is that guy. You need a play, Devontae Adams is that guy. You need a play, New Hopkins is that guy. Is C.D. Lamb that guy? I don't think so. Like, I really don't think so. Because again, I haven't seen it. And I've seen him give up on balls. I've seen him. I, just the things that I've seen, I can't agree with him being a number one wide receiver. So that's my gripe about C.D. Lamb. It's not that Dak is out, yes, because he had his best, one of his best games last year with Cooper Rush. One of his best games of this, his entire season last year was when Cooper Rush got his start. Against, so, the, against the Vikings. Yep. So there you go. It's not, I'm not super duper concerned that Dak isn't there, if I'm being honest. I'm really not that concerned. He's still going to get targeted. I'm just concerned about CeeDee Lamb as a player is what it boils down to me. Shane, what do you think about CeeDee Lamb? Yeah, so I agree with what you're saying, but I want to add in some potential context. One, this is one of the best defensive lines in the league, in the Bucks, and they were getting pressure on the Cowboys all night long. Dak didn't have time to throw. Th- Playings were being blown up extremely quickly. Two, they've got a really good secondary, too, and I'm biased, Mike. One of their corners is Carlton Davis from Auburn. He's a good player, and I I agree with you that I'm concerned that he can be an actual NFL wide receiver one and not just a slot guy or not have a Batman to his Robin or be the Robin to someone else's Batman, but they literally had nobody else to throw to other than Dalton Schultz. I also am going to blame play calling too, because like you've got Zeke Elliott, you've got Tony Pollard, you've got Dalton Schultz and CD lamb. That's four talented NFL players right there that can get the job done and make plays for you. And your play calling was absolutely atrocious, especially when your wide receiver too, I think with Noah Brown, what the, I'm not going to curse or not going to say that word. What the hell are you doing? Okay. Like, you have to, and this is what pissed me off about the Panthers game too, is you've got to call plays within the confines of your talent and your offense and the defense that you're playing against. The Cowboys were going against a defense that had their number and didn't change play calling to fix that or counter that at all. And I think that also ended up contributing to why C.D. Lamb looked like shit. You're not wrong there because Kellen Moore is always going to be one of the biggest problems in Dallas, in my opinion, and has been his entire career there. I've never, ever been a believer or liked. And Kellen Moore is getting talked about for head coaching jobs. Yeah. That is insanity. You are crazy if you hire Kellen Moore to be your head coach. And the other part of it is you're right about the play calling. It goes with the other thing you're saying. Dallas Cowboys do not have an identity right now. No. On offense. Or even on, they don't have an identity, period. But they on offense, they do not right. have an identity. Bad. 
It used to be at one point when Ezekiel Elliott was, when they were feeding him the ball and he was rushing for 1,600 yards, it was running the ball. And that was yeah. when Dak was young and they were efficient. And then there was other issues with the team that kept them from making long playoff runs and stuff like that. But that was their identity. He averaged, what, five yards a carry at least, Zeke did, against a, a very good run-defending team. Yeah, you're right. I think they just need to build an identity, probably fire Kellen Moore, and then figure it out from there, and you might see some better results. Mike, what do you think about... I'm going to counter you on firing Kellen Moore and say fired Mike McCarthy. I I don't think McCarthy is a good head coach. Jason Garrett was worse. But I I think Kellen Moore, with the right leadership with your head coach, can be an okay or a decent play caller. But with what he's currently got and what he's been working with, I'm just like, what the hell? What are you doing? He gets too cute sometimes, and it's frustrating. Yeah. In last week's show, I said that. I said that. Oh man, I'm drawing a blank on the defensive quarters. I'm not Mike Nolan. He got fired last year. Oh, Quinn. Dan yeah. Quinn. I said that he'd be the head coach of the Cowboys before the year is out. I love so, it. I would love that so much. Honestly, we'll see if that <laughs> happens. But that was a, a small little out of. The, the East or uh, just out of thin air type of hot take I had last week. Mike, what do you think about CD Lamb? Go ahead. I'm going to keep it nice and short because you guys are right. I'm out on him. But the, part of the main reason I'm out on him besides, besides Dak being out and everything that you said, Cody, is yeah, you have Cooper Rush coming in and yeah, he might not be the worst backup and he might be sufficient. Like you said, CD Lamb had a decent game with him last year. But their game plan has to completely change. And I understand, Shane, that you said Tampa Bay's got a great defense. But that offensive line is so horrid that I don't care if Dak was behind center. That is part of the reason I'm out on C.D. Lamb because I don't think right now that offensive line is so bad. That's going to be the detriment to the team. Not C.D. Lamb, not Tony Pollard, not Zeke. One of the reasons I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do with Zeke because I have Zeke in a few redraft leagues is because that offensive line can't block. Yeah. We'll see it when Jason Peters gets going yes. and ends up starting for this team. And then Tyler Smith, who did look good in that game. He had a couple things, but he's a rookie and he wasn't even playing left tackle in the preseason. He was playing left guard, which is where he'll slide back into once Jason Peters gets going and he can still play football. So we'll see if it, it levels out and, and as the season goes on, if, if they can improve it as a unit because that offensive line is going to have to play together as a complete unit. And they don't. They're going to be the last place team in that division. I still think they have a shot at being that regardless. And I would have said that before the Dak week one and before Doc went down. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I would have. So let's move on to number three. This was another guy Shane brought up. He wanted to talk about Devonte Smith as a stock down guy. I definitely, again, definitely agree, but go ahead, Shane. What do you think? Yeah, this one was really confusing. To me, I didn't get to watch much of the game, but just looking at the stat line, he was on the field 96% of the time, four targets, but no catches. I have no idea what happened. And now part of that, like obviously A.J. Brown is through the freaking roof because he had, I, I don't remember what the final stat line was, but at one point it was nine catches for 143 yards. I don't know if he got any more after that. And so that's probably a contributing factor. I'm not too worried about him long-term because the snap share was there, and I think targets will probably balance out because there's no way that A.J. Brown can have this type of volume every single week, and they were playing Detroit, and we talked about Detroit earlier. They're horrible. So I think this will balance out, and he'll be okay, but he's a definite buy-low candidate for me right now. Yeah, Mike, what do you think about uh, Devontae? I'm in the middle on him, to be honest, and here's why. A.J. Brown being the big signing, big guy, good, great receiver in the league, from the goal line, from their own goal line to the 20-yard line, it was A.J. Brown, A.J. Brown. But once they got to, once they got to Detroit's 15-yard line, it was run the ball option, that, that play where Hurts goes the ball. Looks like he's just going to walk for a couple yards and then sprint to wherever he wants to get. I want some of it. And when you have a game where all three running backs and the quarterback score a rushing touchdown. I personally think that's going to continue. And what scares me is that Devonta Smith is not going to get the red zone targets. Those are going to go to Dallas Goddard, A.J. Brown, and the running backs. 
and that's going to limit his potential. Yeah, you hit on my biggest concern with not only Devontae Smith, but also A.J. Brown and any receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles. Jalen Hurts had 16 passing touchdowns last year. I'm not sure how many of those were in the red zone, but exactly like you said, I'm not sure that he's efficient in the red zone as a passer. Obviously, four rushing touchdowns. They were the number one team in rushing last year. Obviously, it's looking pretty good so far this year for them. They have three quite good, very capable running backs that all can feed off each other and do a little bit of different things. But yeah, I think for Jalen Hurts in the passing game, he's either thrown a 50-yard touchdown or him, Kenny Gainwell, or maybe it's a little dump off to Kenny Gainwell type of a thing in the red zone. But it's either a 50-yard touchdown or Miles Sanders is running it in. He's running it in. Maybe Boston Scott, maybe Kenny Gainwell. And that also brings some cloudiness to the running back position with Philadelphia as well. So yeah, I, I do Smith as a player, absolutely. But obviously, everybody knew that A.J. Brown coming to town would really hurt his value. And I think we're just seeing what it actually is going to do in week one. I, uh, I think uh, this, is, this is a big hit to Devontae Smith. I'm not sure if I would look to buy low on him right now. If I'm being honest, I would probably want to see. Worst case scenario, though. Like this, it, it, like you hope this, so. You got to yeah. hope so. If you're an owner or if you do want to buy low on him, you have to hope that this is the absolute worst case scenario. They were up in the game for the majority of the game. Yeah. So it's not like they had to throw the ball around the, all over the place. The game ended up being very close. But if you're paying attention and you watch the game, it really wasn't until the until it was, right? It wasn't until it was. And then it was very close. But it was a weird kind of game script. For him, So you have to assume that this is, and you certainly have to hope that this is the worst case scenario for Devontae Smith. So we'll see. I just want to see a little more balance before I go and try to make a trade for Devontae Smith personally. That's how I'm looking at it. And again, that, that red zone efficiency and targeting wide receivers in the red zone, that's still always going to be a bit of a concern of mine with Jalen Hurts under center. So we'll see how it shakes out in the next couple of weeks here. Player number four is... Uh, Stock down. We're talking about Chase Edmonds. So I know you disagree with me a little bit, Shane, here. So let's, uh, I'll kick it off first on this one. My problem with Chase Edmonds is he's not a big running back. He's five foot nine, 205 pounds. He's not even exceedingly fast. He's quick, but he's not an extremely fast running back. Throughout the entire preseason, we saw that team struggle in the running game. It's preseason. No one cares. It's not a big deal. Maybe they were trying this or that and it wasn't working. Week one, 12 carries, 25 yards, 2.1 yards per carry. That's a massive concern for me. The reason why I do like Chase Edmonds is because he's still got the touches. He's still on the field. He's the number one running back, all that kind of stuff. He had 16 touches. The four receptions is great. 40 yards through the air. That's all great. But you can't rely on that. That basically turns it into a third down back type of a guy that you need to score a touchdown to be fantasy viable. That's my big concern with Chase Edmonds, and it's maybe not concern. It's, it's not completely his fault. I like the offensive line in Miami, I really do. But if they just can't run block, then they just can't run block. It is what it is. We saw it in the preseason. I wasn't going to panic, but now that we're in the regular season and we know how that San Francisco Shanahan type of an offense likes to run the ball. And if they can't set up that play action and things like that that they like to do in the pl- passing game, rollouts, bootlegs, it's a very it's going to be a very similar offense to Mike Shanahan's. All the things that we see that San Francisco likes to do, if they can't do that because you have to run the ball, you have to run the ball to set those things up. And if they can't do that, then it's going to be a bit of an issue. So we'll see how it all shakes out. But that's my two cents on Chase Edmonds. That's why I'm concerned. That's why I had him as a stock down guy because he's not getting goal line carries. And if he's not efficient running the ball, then they're going to find someone that is. And if that's just not him, then he's going to turn into a third down back. And that's just how it's going to go potentially. So we'll see. Shane, what's your rebuttal? Because I know you disagree. Yeah, and it wasn't a major disagreement. It's more, I think he's stock neutral instead of stock down. And that's because, like you said, the volume is there. So 12 carries, 25 yards. That is really concerning, the 25 yards, but it's also confusing. Like, how do you have 12 carries and only 25 yards? But then Raheem Mostert had 42% of the snaps, and he didn't do much better on five carries. 
The thing that Chase Edmonds has always been good at, though, is that pass catching back. And so if it does demote him to just a third down back, I'm not super concerned because I could see his targets going up even with Hill and Waddle because Gesicki had one target for in one catch. Um, and so I think Edmonds is more stock neutral than stock down, and that's, it's because volume is going to be king in fantasy football, and he got the volume for this offense. So Yeah, you're not wrong, but like I said, the big concern is that the offensive line, if they just can't run yeah. block, then they just can't run block, and they didn't do it for Mostert. They're not doing it for... We'll see how that kind of shakes out, but at the end of the day, is his kind of is where he gonna land gonna be Kenny Gainwell? That's my concern. Yeah. Where he, you know, the carries start to pull back and he's still getting the passing down work. Well, Kenny Gainwell had that touchdown. They're pretty close right now, so we'll see how it shakes out. My concern is yes that he pulls back to a Kenny Gainwell type player, and that's, that's not what you drafted him for. That's not good enough. That's not what you want. So we'll see. We just need, you, he has to get more efficient. Do you know uh, off the top of your head what his ADP was? I was like in in best ball, it was like eighty, low eighties, low to mid eighties, right around where uh, Clyde Edwards Alaire was being drafted. Okay, sort of thing. Yeah. The reason uh, I ask is he, last year he finished his RB thirty four, and I think that's probably what his floor is in the role that you've described because that's the role that he played last year in Arizona. So mm-hmm. if he is demoted time to just the pass catching work, he's still got, we'll call it a ceiling of 34 in PPR and where you drafted him. I don't hate that. And again, that's why I'm more stock neutral. Hopefully this offensive line figures shit out though, and can actually run block. If not, then I will agree with you for the rest of the season that he is stocked down. Yeah. We'll have to see on all these guys, but that's a good point. Mike, what do you think about chase Edmonds in Miami? This one kills me. This one hurts. I totally understand where you're coming from, Cody. The whole, the 12 for 25 does bug me. I am more stock neutral like Shane, but honestly, give me all the Chase Edmonds because I think at the end of this, it's going to be Chase's backfield. It's going to be, I don't think it's going to be no 80-20 or anything like that. I think it's going to be more of a 60-40 split. My thing is, I don't think New England's front seven is that bad of a defense. That's probably the strength of their defense. And with saying that, I also do think that with, like you said, it's going to be more of a Shanahan offense. And I, that was part of my concern going into the year was, is it going to be a full split? Stuff like that with Mostert. You still have Gask in there. Not saying he's going to do much, but just, you never, just Shanahan, you never knew what running back was going to be the guy. My thing is, I think the coach, head coach, Mike Dan McDaniel, needed like one or he needs one or two games, even though, yeah, there were preseason to get his feet wet. From what I did see, some of the play calling was a little wonky to me. Just like Shane said it was a little wonky in the Cowboy game. To me, some of the play calling was a little wonky in this game as well. Hopefully that gets ironed out. I want him to succeed. I think he will. But I do understand your concern, Cody. And if after week three that this is the trend, then that's where I'm like, oh, no, what am I doing? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm not panicking. And he is definitely a a trade candidate type of a guy that I would look to scoop up. But And you're right. The New England defense is pretty terrible on the back end since they just let J.C. Jackson walk for no good reason. And they do like to try to take away the team's best strength or whatever, but it, that it's not the running game. But that's my concern, and that's the, why I brought up the preseason because they very much struggled in the preseason. And if you can't even run the ball in the preseason, that's a concern. That's a really yeah. big concern for me. And you're right, their defensive line and their defensive front for New England is their strength, and it is quite good, actually. It's a strength on any team, probably. But... Uh, that that efficiency has to get better. It just has to. And it might not be Chase Edmonds' fault, like I said. It might not be his fault yeah. that he didn't have that efficiency because we saw it, again, with multiple running backs and in the preseason, and we've seen it time and time again so far. We have four games of evidence, and we haven't seen anything on the contrary. So we'll see how it shakes out, but I am certainly concerned about Chase Edmonds. All right, Cody, um, I'm going to introduce this last player, and for time's sake... We're going to let you just let it rip. 
All right. <laughs> okay. So this last player is one that Cody dropped a hot take on for last week, and it is Allen Robinson. So 97% snap share with two targets, one catch for 12 yards. Holy mother of God. And quick shout out, go follow Jetpack Galileo on Twitter. He did a th whole thread on Allen Robinson and his expanded route tree that the Rams were excited to have. And it's literally just him running like three yard curls the whole time. So Cody, let him have it. Yeah. So I, my hot take, I was shitting on Allen Robinson a little bit last week. I'm no, I was nowhere near buying him at his cost. That's for sure. I was completely off him at his price. Yes. I know it's the best quarterback he's ever played for best offense, best coach, all this stuff. Yes, I get it. But he's coming off of what was his by far the worst his worst season is a career. He's getting older. He does have a torn ACL in his resume. There's all sorts of reasons to not just jump up and down for Allen Robinson. I My hot take was I would pick Gabe Davis over Allen Robinson. Their ADPs are actually pretty close. And in uh, best ball, I think Gabe Davis was being drafted ahead of Allen Robinson. But I would stick to that in any format. I'm taking Gabe Davis over Allen Robinson. And so far, I'm one for one. So victory lap after week one. But it's a long season, obviously. I know that. But I'm going to stick to my guns all season. He's just not a guy that he's going to have those pop-off weeks. And he's not. this is probably worst-case scenario. This is his floor as it sits right now. But yeah, I think that uh, Allen Robinson is a guy that I would look to trade away and try to find a guy that's high on him or sell him. You know, put your car salesman hat on and try to sell him to some buyer for a guy like Gabe Davis. So that's my two cents on Allen Robinson. I'm just, and it's no real rhyme or reason. I don't have stats or numbers to back up my take on this. It's just what I think is going to happen. And again, I'm one for one so far. So we'll see how it shakes out as the season progresses. But I'm just not high on Allen Robinson. If anyone has anything to rebuttal me with, let's hear it. Nah, I got it's hard nothing. to defend Allen Robinson right now. It, so. Especially with the stat line that he did put up. Like, even yeah. with the snap share that he had, like, it's and everyone was, was bad. Everyone was screaming, oh, he was open. He was open all game, all this stuff. It's like, where did you see that? Maybe there was, like, one play. But like you said, I think someone someone put together a thread and someone put together a video kind of thread of his was snap share. Robinson's it was his dad. Two steps, turn around. Two steps, turn around. Look <laughs> yeah. at so he's a decoy, is what you're yeah. trying to tell me. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, we'll see how this, all of these are going to probably, not all of them are going to be right. That's for damn sure. Even the stocked up guys, stocked down guys, we're going to be right and wrong all over the place. But I certainly hope that I'm not wrong about Alan Robinson because I'm taking a hard stand on that. And I'm not backing down as at all, all season. You can bring this up and we throw up breaks comment. And, and we'll, we'll take it. Uh, let's see. Watch the film. <laughs> I did. It was bad. I'm one so far. Watch the film. Yeah, I did. Someone put together a thread on Twitter and it was really not impressive, but no. Yep. So, all right, that's it. That's it guys. Good show. Yeah. Mike, I seriously appreciate you coming on. That was awesome. Good looking out for us. Shane hooked it no up. Problem at all. We really appreciate it. It was super last minute. So thanks a ton for coming on again. Remind the people where you can be found and what you're all about. You can find me on Twitter on drop the mic at drop the mic FF. You can find my stuff at going for two. I'm the host at their Tuesday night show, going for two live at 9.30 Eastern. You can also find me usually on Friday nights at Rum Boys After Dark with the Rum Boys Network. And other than that, just find me on my DMs are always open, always willing to answer questions and just BS about football. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks again for coming on. Shane, you Thanks, got any Mike. closing comments? No, just like subscribe and comment on our YouTube page, Roto Heat Fantasy, and give my show and this show a a listen when it comes out as a podcast so that's it absolutely we got the discord sorry in the top right corner there join the discord we're all in there uh, make mike you're maybe not you should join it though shane and i are in there okay. you can hit us up on on discord if you want any again dms are open there dms are open on twitter check out the tuesday show the dynasty show the dynasty heat seekers we've got the sunday morning i can't remember what they call it off the top of my head to be honest with you but it starts sits all that kind of stuff little DFS things in the Discord. There's DFS, there's betting channels. I got 
my big uh, division bet in there, $500 bet where I bet on the Saints to win the division. So there you go. Yeah, hit us up and uh, hit that like and subscribe on your way out. And we'll see you next week on Wednesday.